0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to What's the Fintech, your Fintech feel-good show. What's the Fintech is a news and information platform covering the latest fintech development in Hong Kong, Singapore, China, and Asia. Join us every week for an engaging conversation with various Asian tech leaguers to discuss entrepreneurship, emerging technologies, customer engagement, and partnerships. And today we have Miles and Christy from Labs. Hello, how are you?
1: Good, how are you doing? Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you very much for coming. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great pleasure to have you. Especially, I see recently a lot of good news on Forbes and a lot of posts on the social media. Everything looks to be fine for you guys. Yep,
1: thanks. We're just doing what we do, trying to promote the FinTech industry.
0: Um, maybe we can uh, introduce you before we start in the discussion about Fodenolabs. We can maybe start with you, Christy, and after these smiles.
2: Hi, am Eddie. So I'm Christy Ho, marketing manager of Panel Labs. So I joined Panel Labs a year ago and I really wanted to help uh, how to promote like, AI into the Hong Kong community and also the, and, like, let people know more about what language AI can help them, not just from enterprise, but also in, the, in society and in the whole, you know, well-being. So I'm glad to be able to join Panel Labs and thank you for having us today. We'll talk more later.
0: Thank you.
1: Hey, I'm Miles. and founder and CEO of Final Labs. I founded the Final Labs about seven years ago. Sorry, but bit late, a bit old already. Uh, you know, from when I was after, I was, I was actually a researcher at the University of Hong Kong in 2015. I decided that, you know, it's time for, it's not for academic. So I decided to try to commercialize what we built in, in school and turn those into commercially available products. So we've been doing, we primarily doing like language AIs, we're so processing human languages. So in particular, we build machines to try to analyze human audios and tell us inside the audio how many different people are there, who are they, and what time do they speak, what do they say, and what do they mean by saying that. We we'll turn everything and we, we turn all those things into business insights and bring it to our clients. We've been running this for seven years. So I used to be a, the guy writing code, designing algorithms. Now to so someone to go around and talk about what we do instead of doing hands-on research anymore. But we're happy to be around here. So thank you, media for having us.
0: Thank you very much. Um, like we know each other for a really long time now, so it's a uh, it's a great pleasure to have you here. I saw the company growing as well. Um, I saw you like having like a lot of partnership with a large company here in Hong Kong, but also sometimes uh, overseas. Uh, so my question would be like you start this entrepreneurial journey a long time ago, right? And uh, most of the entrepreneurs need to be inspired, or, you know, like they try to be a best version of themselves. So was it your journey as, as well to start your company and you know from research to be a CEO and founder
1: yeah i'm you know i'm a sci- i'm a scientist by training and as a scientist I'm a scientist slash engineer so in my in my mind I love what i do when when i when whatever i built you know it's actually put into good use in good hands of people mm-hmm. and they actually give a help so i actually I, most of my team actually including in my, my research team as well so we're heavily inspired by the sense of achievement i means I want my son, among my friends, I want to tell them, hey, I built this, and you're using it. Mm-hmm. You might not know that's us, but now I tell you, you know that I built that, and that's tremendously helpful. That's something really makes us feel like really inspired, and that's what actually makes us tick.
0: Very good. And both of you, what is um, the favorite thing you you are doing every day on your job? Maybe
1: Christine can take on
0: that Okay,
2: one. I'll start first. <laughs> so um, I don't really have a daily routine, because it's, very dynamic every day, but what I do mainly like over the span of the, at least half the, the past year is mainly I help with um, Fanalabs, uh, different kind of marketing um, initiatives. So uh, as you, you probably have seen us everywhere on LinkedIn and um, not just on LinkedIn, not just social, but also like uh, other media exposure like uh, PR and we do like press release. So recently we had a uh, press release announced. So we had a partnership with Cathay Pacifics to help them with uh, building their advanced conversational AI to digitize um the customer interactions with people, you know, like how uh, flights are all coming back right now. So uh, there's a huge demand for uh, people requesting on uh, their live chats and WhatsApp. So uh, our our announcement on the partnership was mainly um, to uh, to announce like Cathay is also uh, part of like, not just a uh, big uh, airline, but then they're also a, a leader on cooperation um, digitization. So um, what I'm, I really like about my job is, uh, it's, I don't just treat it as a job, but it's really inspiring for me to understand how uh, Final Labs is not just a startup company or just a technology company, but we are also a partner to actually drive um, digitization in, in Hong Kong, in different society, in different scale, and also in different uh, industries as well. So that's one, one of the most favorite thing that I like about my job.
0: What important.
2: about you, Mel?
1: Yeah, I, I think nowadays, when I every day when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is spend a little time with my kid. Okay. Right, uh, it's 11 years old, very small, but I, I normally go, go home very late. So I don't get to see him in the evening. So I try to spend a little time in the morning with them, And after that, I'll just, I, every day I'm mostly driven by calendars. I mm. check my calendar, what I think I'm going to do, where am I going to be. Like this morning, I check my calendar. Oh, yeah, I need to be at 1 Chai 10 a.m. in the morning. So I plan my day based on the calendar. Yeah, but um, sometimes it gets boring, to be honest. Like you're driven, you're not driven by what you want to do, it's driven by the calendar set for you. But on the other hand, it's also interesting to feel that you're actually, everybody trying to get a piece of you at mm-hmm. some point. So that's also feel like, yeah, I feel like a, a little bit of sense of achievement as well. So now it's, a, I feel like I'm a little bit more important than before. Yeah, but at, eventually I think it's just, um, nowadays we're just running a, where we have a bigger team, bigger organization, we're running different things, we have different clients. And also I have to, there are lots of things we have to do, like we have to, visit, we have to do visit client visit to see what's really going on because you you, you ship a product to clients right technology change over time you also want to know what's what's going on what are the room for improve, right, improvement improvement because you can't you can't expect whatever the technology good today it's going to last forever so someone is going to get some come up with something better it's going to be someone else or it's going to be us to do something better so that's also something that's it's on top of my agenda so go around see what's going on get a feedback think about how we can better build our products that's actually that's also my favorite part by the way it's you're getting so building account is like uh, growing a baby. Now I have a real baby, you know, it's like seeing both of them grow every day and also over time, that feels great.
0: Very good, very good. Um, I know that uh, Labs is a cross-industry company and uh, you're doing a lot of things. You introduced quickly the company at the beginning, but maybe you can share a bit more about what you are doing or what are your uh, best sales or product number one that people really like and like, you know, attract the customer to you.
1: Yeah, uh, nowadays I think we are most famous in the financial industry as a reg tech company, so a regulatory technology company. So what we do is actually uh, in the banking industry, whenever a bank, whether it's a, you know, a licensed private bank or is a unlicensed wealth management firm or is a retail bank, wholesale banking, whenever a bank communicates with a customer, okay, according to the, the regulations and laws in, here in town, that conversation needs to be recorded, especially if the conversation involves a transaction. And the reason why it's, it's it's recorded because every time I do a banking, right? Normal banking service is fine, but when it comes to buying stuff like the banks, you're trying to buy an investment product from a bank. There are certain risks associated with that. And You also need to be able to understand that when you're buying, you're okay with the risk. You understand what you're buying, and you 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 fully understand. You're fully you do you buying this out of your own will instead of somebody soliciting or soliciting or you know forcing to buy. So that's actually it's part of the banking conduct area so that's all the banks and license institutes needs to be need to be able to follow the content, make sure they are uh, treating investors money you know they're treating investors with respect with professionalism and more importantly investors If they want to buy something they're well informed so that's actually something of hong kong is fairly proud of of have, this something having very high regulatory quality but the thing is after record the sales recording uh, sales uh, process are recorded Someone else needs to check it, right? Because someone else in the bank needs to go look at the recording, check what's going on. Did we miss any critical, you know, risk disclosure? Did we forget? Did we something say something that's marginally inappropriate? You know, in those cases, we need to get back to customer back and say, "Hey, sorry, we we're not we're not supposed to say this, or sorry, I forgot to tell you this. We now we give you this additional risk related with this product. Are you okay with that? If you're not okay, let's cancel the order. If you're still okay with that, then we're good. Let's go. Let's go ahead." But this process is actually fairly expensive for banks because think about like for large banks, you might have like hundreds and thousands of relation managers that go in the front line. Their job is serving customers. From now every now and then, there are some transactions happening. The amount of audio is going to generate from there. It's massive. So when you put in a human to do manual manually listen to the audios, first of all, you can probably listen to three or four percent maximum random sample, and it's not. It's it's also the job that that kind of job is actually fairly boring. All right, it's going to be very hard to retain talent. And it's also more importantly, it's not really necessarily serving the purposes because you're doing random sampling. You're not covering enough. So what we do nowadays for banks is actually we just apply our technologies to analyze all the sales calls, whether it's a sales call, inbound, outbound, or it's a, it's a sales process happening inside a branch. Wherever that happens, as long as it's recorded, we're going to machines to analyze it. And we're going to check for every single product you're selling did you miss any critical risk disclosure information? Did you do proper KYC? Did you Did you have any you know word, Did you say anything that might be marginally inappropriate? In both cases, on the one hand, we feed to senior management of the bank, so they will know precise what's going on. You understand the risk, and the other hand, we also give them, the right the information real in real time to the to the sales guy themselves. So he's the customer is still in the room. He know that oh I forgot to say these two clauses in the term sheet. So the customer has not left yet. So you, re- you supplement the information recording with, oh, by the way, we have this extra two risks. Are you OK with that? You get a consent, customer walks away. Mm-hmm. The sales, the relation managers are happy, the banks are happy, and our senior managers are also happy because they are, now they have a holistic view over different risk factors, about different things they're selling. Well,
0: uh, <laughs> sorry, I was recap- too captivated by what you, you were saying. Um, so this was your first product that you developed, or it was a product you came after, like a, a lot of iteration with a lot of banks. Uh, how that product came on, a, you know, alive, and how did you de- de- develop it?
1: Definitely, this is interesting. We developed this product. The ori- origin of this product was not designed for this purpose, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Originally, when we our first successful deployment of this product was for China Mobile, that was back to four about four or five years ago. That was the time when we are, when we worked with them. Actually, they have a. If you use a carrier, everybody uses you use a carrier, sometimes you make a call to the carrier. You're asking about, did you, whether they charge you more than you sign up for? Did you have any issues connecting the internet? So on and so forth, right? You make a phone call, get a customer service. Every time you make a customer service call, it's recorded, and they're gonna tell you we're gonna record it for training purposes. So behind the scenes, there's also there are also people looking at the recordings, you know, try to find what are what are complaints, think about how they can improve the service, improve the services in general but it's also based on random sampling. It's not very effective, and it's also not getting sufficient business insights. Four to five years ago, we developed this product, and we worked with China Mobile to launch it. Back at that, at that time, we were trying to solve a single problem. is Well, we have so many customer calls, recordings every single year, but we don't necessarily know why people are calling you. So let's do analytics. Let's understand what a, why the customer calls you for, what are the reasons. You know, we do analysis. And from there, we develop that. Actually, we further figure out, actually, there are lots of customers who actually called you to complain, but you did not necessarily know about it. And sometimes they, when they complain, they complain about your fundamental services. And if you don't fix it, they might leave. So we spot the customers who might actually leave because they complain with you or they, they come in with some, you know, your competitor might be lobbying your customer. So we try to find a customer who might, want, who might be leaving. So you can follow up with them. Tell them, you know, say, we have a plan to expand the coverage. You tell them something that oh, I'm sorry we we miscalculated. We're gonna give you some you know coupon right It's a, a token, so on and so forth, and you ask customer to renew a contract. So that brings in lots of revenue. So customer don't leave that much, and also at the same time, customer are happy because they just called it, they just filed a complaint yesterday, and you actually have someone to follow up. And at the same time, we also by analyzing you know the call categories, we know how the trend changes. I say for instance, there's one there's one instance where we launched a campaign about. Um, 5G service plans so we have a marketing doing all the 5G related marketing stuff the marketing manager said we're probably doing fine but we had then at the time by using our product we say let's have a hypothesis Let's, let's agree to disagree maybe you have something missed out which will trigger a customer to call you I mean, the customers who are interested in their plan. So we run the analysis over like four years, four months of time period after they launched the launched and web their launch product and compare that with the, before they launched the marketing campaign. We realized there's actually lots of customers asking about something called family plans. Like, can we share the plan with my family? Mm-hmm. But that was not something covered in the marketing material. So that triggered a customer to call you. And the decision will be, well, let's include that into our marketing campaign. So customers know that, you know, you can get a family plan based on, you know, on this new network offering. All right. So that's it. on the one hand, you know, customers, more effective customer message, delivering message delivery to customers. And the other hand is also reduced costs because every somebody calls you, they're going to wait, you're going to spend money answering questions. Right. So that's also, we start working on all this kind of uh, analysis, trying to figure out ways based on the customer's voices. We're trying to understand where are the areas the organization can, you know, can improve. And China Mobile is one of our customers, Was many more customers, like the one, the price release was with for the Pacific is also along this angle. So that product was not particularly designed for financial industry at the very beginning. Okay. And about three years ago, so we were very fortunate, we come across, you know, a whole bunch of banks, right? Mm-hmm. Among all of them, I came across JP Morgan, their HS CTO is actually a good friend of mine. So we're chatting, I show him what we're doing and this, that. And all of a sudden he said, wait a minute, in a bank, we have this use case. We have this, we, we also listen to audio. We also, we're also we also okay. We know analyze. We also want to understand, you know, this, um, the different kind of, uh, you know, synergies and why customer caught us, so on and so forth. But more importantly, we also have an angle, a compliance angle, which is we need to make sure that whenever we sell something, we're selling it in a responsible way. So we're make, we're make sure, we're make, we need to make sure that customers are well-informed, that decision, investment decisions are, are great. That that's, that's actually why, you know, you know, how the, the bank gains the reputation on global scale of the bank that customer investors can trust. So then I said, but we're doing it manually. So you know, technology can help. So that's where all of a sudden we got inspired. Wait a minute, this technology could be applied to bank. So we start working on a pilot with them to change the product because we need to change the product a little bit to specifically fit for the financial industry. So working with them, and from there, we start talking to more banks and realize this is actually a common problem. And as we get more banks, we'll start working with us, like Hang Seng Bank, for instance, start working with later on. We also realize, you know, we will actually improve our product substantially. So we actually, over the past three years, I think we shipped over 40 versions of the product. Oh, over time edition. forty or forty versions we keep releasing new versions every time we add more features or we change some features that's not really you know user friendly so we we actively take feedbacks from industry we're not we're not creating the product out of nowhere you know we're not like that we created it based on a client telling us there's a need and we look at a problem we say how we can solve the problem and can we solve it better over time that's how the product came along
0: and you mentioned like you did 40 versions of it. So it means like every time you work with a bank, it's a new process, it's a new workflow, or you need to add like some features on this product?
1: No, it's uh, interestingly, we know that we've, we realize most banks, they have huge commonality in the way they're going to use the product. The, version, the 40 versions we released was actually more about iterative process. So every, it's not like you can buy 40 versions of product right now. We only give you one version of the product. Mm-hmm. It's just we did 40 iterations over the years, and we're still iterating right now. It's mostly because we we need to find a find a grant a fine line between you know different among different banks. Like you may want things this way, but is that something that someone else will also need as well? And if you need it this way, why? Is there a particular reason, right? Or is that some industry reasons? Because after we iterate forty times, when we now when we talk to a new our new bank, a new bank and client, we basically tell them you're not just buying a technology, or right, A product. You're buying the collective input from for the other banks they all work with us and and we realize we iterate so many times now we know that this is the way this is going to solve your problem better you might have a new idea but that idea we tried to maybe we tried it before you might get it get us in a dead loop later on all right so we'll start accumulating this kind of uh, experiences so the products get better so at the end of the day we're not trying to tailor made a product a uh, project for every single client we want to build a pro- product that everybody can benefit from it. That's actually the idea of community. So why we have a fintech community is every bank, although you might be competitors, but at the end of the day, when you look at a technology product, you can be a common, we can, we can find common grounds, right? Whatever, because whatever mistakes we'll work with, we will learn from bank A, you know, that improvement can bring benefits to all the other banks that work with us.
0: We we spoke about community. We speak about reg tech and analytics, who are not sometimes sexy. How do you transform everything with your marketing skills to make it sexier and uh, bring more customers to come to the company?
2: I think that's similar as how this podcast is named. Like what the fintech? So how are we going to make it more sexy and more attracting to uh, not just uh, enterprise, but actually um, make people understand what language AI is and what fintech is? So I think. Um, in the in the past few years, I think it's getting easier and easier because uh, the word fintech is more uh, well known, and the entire ecosystem is also helping to boost it. Uh, either is uh, the government, or either is in the industry, or podcast like these. So, um, in different levels that we uh, in for funnel, so we have different levels of um, like we can say like marketing tactics to to. Um, have to focus on different target audience. So uh, mainly for uh, our biggest uh, target audience, of course, is the enterprises, banks. And and that will definitely be, like, first, we'll have to make a very professional image on what we do. So uh, we're not just, we're not, um, actually, we've already uh, been in the industry for a few, uh, seven to eight years. So for Vandal Labs, we will try to, like, uh, position ourselves as a tech uh, in this, in the tech industry as a tech company instead of just a startup. So that gives confidence to um, our clients, especially people who work in um, big enterprises like as banks, because they do have concerns on like collaborating with uh, maybe a very small scale company. So in both ways, um, we grow the company. Uh, both in talent, in products, in our services, in our technology, but also uh, we put that image out there and tell people that, hey, actually uh, you can trust us. Uh, we provide good services, we provide uh, good technologies that you cannot find elsewhere. So uh, that's one of the key points that we we are trying to um, brand ourselves, but also not just a branding uh, strategy, but also as a company growth tr- strategy as well. So, um, that's mainly uh, what we do. But actually, when I talk to my friends, so when we when they ask me what I do, uh, what my company does, uh, we have a totally different way to tell them. So, uh, actually, to p- put it very easy, is something to relate to what they actually do and what they apply every day. So, um, let's let's say if I meet you on the street and you ask me what I do as my career, I would I would tell you in ten words that uh, what we do is basically we help people to, uh, we, we use AI and we help people to uh, understand and find the key ways to understand when, how people interact. Because when we don't, um, sometimes when human, we don't actually understand how people interact, uh, maybe the sentiment behind it or uh, what, what is the intent of, of these interaction. But actually I can tell you, you know, you know what, like AI and computers can actually help you with that. So, um, and then they will probably have different kinds of, kind of questions of, um, based on their different backgrounds. But then that's uh, what we tell, we try to make things as layman as possible to actually un- let people understand like AI is not something that's very scary, very abstract, very um, like you don't know what that is, but it's, it's, it has a rocket science part of it. But then as long as it can apply to our day life and uh, in, in the industry, and you actually see how the benefits that it brings you, then that's probably what we already um, we are trying to do and we hope to succeed one day.
0: Yeah. It's, it's very clear. Um, There's a lot of AI company here in Hong Kong and I know Hong Kong tried to push to be the AI hub in Asia, right? So how do you differentiate yourself, your company compared to maybe the other startups or some of your competitors?
1: Yeah. Um... There are a whole lot of things we actually differentiate ourselves in the market. So first of all, you know, our technological specialties is actually processing something called multilingual environments. So basically what happens if somebody, like here in Hong Kong, like people, most people speak at least two languages, or there's English and there's a mother tongue. And about 95% of people actually speak three languages, like Cantonese, that's Cantonese, English, and Mandarin. And the thing is when people are multilingual, so what's going to happen is actually when they talk to each other, there's a tendency to mix and match, right? They're going to mix English into Chinese. They're going to start talking to each other. Like just now, Chris and I were chatting, quickly chatting in Cantonese. When you came in, we we switched to English. Mm -hmm. So that's also a, a language switching happening. But that kind of problem is not it's not a problem. you know you're kind of elsewhere other than Hong Kong, Singapore, and this region. So we've we'll been working working be working to solve this particular mixed language and language switching problems over the past more than that de- more than a decade. So that's uh, that's where we kind came from. And where I think we're probably the world's best at the moment in doing this kind of a language scenarios. We have the highest accuracy or the highest robustness in technology. And also more importantly, we also have a huge industry expertise. So we're doing lots of industry. We understand what the industry is doing and what, why enterprises are, you know, what are, are the use cases that might work given the current technology standards and what are the use cases that might not work. So we, we don't normally, we also have a brand when a customer talk to customers and say, hey, we're not here just to make, you, make money out of you. We're here to solve your problem. So that's why you, have, you might have a wild dream but I can I might tell you, no, you know what, that's probably gonna need another five years. It's not ready yet. And you should you can consider try something easier and create a build-off to there, but you will need time. So there are lots of time we also will also discourage customers from going too wild. Because at the end of the day, we wanna we also have a very strong expertise in coming over the, coming up with the roadmap. Like what are things you can do right now? You can bring immediate immediate business benefits. What are the things you consider doing next year, two years later or three years later? And what the things you should consider putting a roadmap as a as a dream, to five to seven years later. So we're also very strong in doing that. So over time we have a we have a big brand, you know, huge reputation of um, not a tr- not only a trustworthy technology provider, AI technology provider, but also a trustworthy advisory kind of a, a firm. We don't charge our clients for you know giving us advices, but we mostly tell them the honest truth, like what I what we think. Is the right thing to do? What are the right directions? And we don't touch everything. We mostly just focus on what we do. So that's actually, I think that's uh, that sets apart fairly in some fairly good ways. Um, the technology side. There's also the business expertise side.
0: Very cool. Um, I remember like few years ago, I was working on some of the proof of concept with DBS or for a previous startup I was working with, and I remember when we used to do the text to speech for in Chinese, for example, for some font disclosure, but the name was was French, English, Swiss, whatever. The AI has a lot of difficulties to switch from uh, from Chinese to the name of the of Amundi Fidelity or whatever funds, right? Yep. So now everything is solved. You can like have like multi-language in the same sentence and the AI can do it. Exactly. Oh, this is very cool. Um, so you mentioned about how you collaborate with startup uh, with uh, big bank, sorry, and uh, insurance for example. So creating the different iteration, going from phase 1, phase 2, phase 3, creating all the steps to help them to have solutions right now with immediate benefits, right? What are some of the challenges you are facing when you work with a large company like Cathay or uh, China Mobile or a few other banks?
1: Yeah, I think um, it depends on what stage we were in. Back in the days, in the early, very early days, we our challenge was actually we we're a very small player. We were a very small player. I think that's going to be a challenge every startup will face eventually when it comes to enterprise space, because when it comes to enterprises, when they want to develop adopt the technology. We also need to bear in mind that that's a huge enterprise. They have millions of customers out there. Whatever they're going to, uh, whatever whatever technology they're going to introduce, that's going to eventually be used by their customers, which might affect on millions of people. So they they tend to take a very they need they have to be very cautious about what they need. So normally in the early days, our biggest pain in the neck was actually we have to do like a, a POC for two years, right? Very normal. You, you start talking about it for a year. And say, let's do a POC. POC lasts another year or two. And they said, no, let's do a full scale, full scale rollout. All right. So that means but from the moment you start engaging until you got the real money coming in, yeah. that's probably we'll talk about three years time minimum. So that's that was a huge challenge in early days. It's, that's also why many fintech startups actually struggle in early days because they might not necessarily have the funding to last the first three years of, of you know building up the initial trust, the initial traction with the large enterprises. So that was our challenge in early days. But later on, as we are getting more material, that becomes less of an issue because it's, it's well-proven. Well you know, banks, I mean, large enterprises, they're, not, they're no longer that hesitant, right? They don't have to, we don't have to do like three-year POC, right? It's so probably like a one month or two weeks POC, just make sure everything's in place and we're good to go. Um, but right now, we, when we come across, you know, in general, AI technologies, we do come across some challenges, but that's more primarily for organizations, you know, commitment. So there are many organizations, you know, out there. They say want to do AI, but they may their senior manager may not necessarily, you know, feel committed enough to do it. They say, let's do a POC, right? You know, but do we have a plan to roll it out? No, not yet. Do we have someone, some leaders owning the AI roadmaps? May or may not. So I, we do see that as a challenge. Most of the time, if an organization has someone taking up the ownership, like I'm going to own the organiz- organization's AI roadmap, you know, that thing. Typically, the collaboration is going to be very smooth. We're going to do one after another. We gradually know how we can work things to, uh, towards long-term benefits for the organization. But if the organization does not yet have that, it will become a challenge, right? That's going to be challenging for the, for the organization to adopt technology. It's also going to be challenging for us to see and to give a proper advice about how you know, we can you know, work with you in the long run and gradually deploy different AI technologies into our organization and bring you incremental values.
0: How did you overcome this uh, uh, challenge at the beginning and keep the motivation to keep going uh, at the very beginning stage when you had like two years POCs? And what is your motivation right now when you're working with uh, this kind of challenge with a company who has no ownership of your roadmap?
1: Yeah, I think in the early days when we had to like two to three year POCs before we're getting a before getting a real project. So for me. You know, you know. I remember, remember day, I just just now. I say I'm a scientist by training. I'm science and engineer by by heart. Um, back in the days when we we're doing POC, it's. Uh, I think first of all, it's very important that we had some really really good clients. Like we have uh, clients like Cathay Pacific, China Mobile. They've been work, They've been they've been with us since very very early. When we were very very early. So the idea is, although we have to spend so much time doing POCs, when we while we're doing POC, they're actually giving us very active and very good feedbacks. And by the time i got feedback because back in the days i was the one you know i was still the one writing code right designing algorithms doing that kind of stuff so i feel like oh, that's good that actually helped me improve and i look at it and say oh yes you're right it's not ready we need to improve we need to solve this problem that problem you know the three APUs is more about for us to improve our product make sure it's really actually really, really ready for very serious enterprise usage so I, to me the reason I kept going. First of all, I have my investors, I think, right? Because you know, obviously if you got no income for three years, you, got, you might get bankrupt, right? Mm-hmm. I got many good investors who are supporting me. So financially we're doing fine. And, but at the same time for me, the key incentive for keeping going is actually I have really good clients, very good earlier clients doing POCs with us to give us really good, very, very good feedbacks and to tell us how we can improve. And from there, when I look at every day I wake up, I say, oh, we're not, the POC is not finished yet but we need to solve this actual problem and the problems are real. And that's a problem we never, we, we didn't know that we need to solve that problem. So every, every day I wake up in the morning, I say, oh, I have a new problem to solve. You know, Some people get the very turned down and say, I have a new problem to solve. But I'm the kind of person, I, I'll feel very turned down if I wake up in the morning and say, I have no problem to solve. I got really upset by doing that. I, my best day start with that. I wake up in the morning and say, damn, I have a new problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And I feel excited that I have a new problem to solve. So that's actually the 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 way that kept us going for the first three three years. And the products got really good and the customers love it. I will get more clients and by the time the second clients, the third client's coming over, the POC time is shortened because everything most of the problems you can think about, most of the things you need, we already built it during the first POCs. So I think it's um that's actually um, you know, my I think I will probably credit our most of our success by far to our clients, especially our early clients, who actually, they give us very good feedbacks, who actually, the three-year POCs, three, two-year POCs, those are ones actually help us grow. They really helps the products mature. So that's something I, I, that's just my takeaways.
0: Oh, very good, very good. I, I imagine the company grow from like a lot from this time, right? So now you just mentioned before, 70 person are working in the company, if I'm yep. not mistaken. So how do you create a great team? Maybe, Christy, you can reply to that question. How we can create a great team and a great culture inside the company where we can share the value with everyone and, and keep everyone in the company and not leaving, for example?
1: Yeah, maybe I'll take the one first and Christy can supplement. Yeah. So actually, that one is actually, um, you know, we started off... Because actually, interesting thing is that we have a very interesting age group. So in our firm, we have some very, very young people like Christy. You know, like... Uh, the youngest. Yeah, probably, <laughs> like... Close to, the, to 2000, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of generation. Now we 90s. also have 90s, people born in the 90s. Most of us were born late, late 80s, early 90s, most of us. And we also have people born in the, in the 60s or 70s, probably 70s, in very older, much older generations. The interesting thing is actually, at the very beginning, we, we kept, you know, as a CEO, I, I set a culture. I said, we, you know, if you want to join us, we don't care about age. But what we did is actually, we care about we care about your personality. Do you care about quality? Do you want to solve problems? Or do we just say, you know what, just I this is not my problem, someone else's problem, you know, that kind of person. So fundamentally we build a culture about we want our team to be in a mentality to build great stuff, to bring value to society, to solve good problems. So that's what we come across. But setting a culture is only step one. But how do we enforce that the culture actually goes in the, goes deep in the firm? That comes in a couple of forms. I have, first of all, I have my, my HR director to help. So my HR actually <clears throat> adds this culture interview into our interview interview process. So when we do selection, we look at this part particularly. But after the call is joined in, we also need to create in- lots of internal propaganda, internal marketing. That's where Christy coming in help, right? We have to do lots of marketing campaigns. Maybe Christy can share about the things we're doing to really get our teams to 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 remind them that, hey, we're doing something great. We got recognized. We need to be, keep doing this. Maybe Christy can tell on that part. Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. So um, I think we have a couple of things that we are in place that we are trying to keep everyone aligned on what uh, the company, like the recent goals we have hit or uh, recent uh, deals that we have signed. So uh, one of the most uh, common and, and common practice for every company, and of mm-hmm. course, include, including Final Labs, is we have an all-hands me- meeting every, every month. So where uh, Miles will... Uh, no, that's one of the interesting meetings that I will always want to join everyone is uh, where Miles would be uh, okay uh, giving an update to everyone in the company, all the 70 of us, on uh, what's the recent success in not just on the business side, but also on the technology side. So even for me, myself, I'm from marketing team. I would also get to know how the product is progressing and to to actually um, acknowledging how our different teams are their efforts and and all their all, all their um, efforts and they put in so uh, one thing that um, is quite interesting when I first joined uh, Final Labs is uh, they have this thing called kudos. so kudos is something that we give and we receive so every month we can. Um, nominate a few people that we would like to openly give kudos to. So we give credits to their efforts, whether they have helped us in a previous project or uh, something that we appreciate that their efforts. So in return, you might also be received, uh, you may also receive kudos from people that you have helped uh, in the previous month. So uh, this is a regular practice that we do. And um, of course, we, there would be like a, like a uh, scoreboard, like everyone who will have the uh, most amount of kudos given and received. So we try to encourage the culture of really appreciating each other so that uh, we recognize the effort and everything that you made actually could be an impact to the company's success. So uh, this is like one of the things that we are very proud of uh, in Final Labs. and. Um, but not just about this, but it's also like the everyday, um, the everyday um, interactions with our team. So uh, I really appreciate how um, everyone's really trying to actually solve uh, the problem within their team and also cross-team. So, yeah, that's one of the things that I really appreciate in Final Labs.
0: Pretty yeah. good, pretty good. Um, is the company based exclusively here in Hong Kong or do you have teams also overseas, maybe in Shenzhen, maybe in Taiwan, maybe in other countries?
1: Yeah, we're primarily based in Hong Kong. So we have a, our HQ is in Hong Kong Science Park, mm-hmm. and we have an office in Kowloon Town. That's our sales and marketing, our customer centers. And we also have a team, an office in, in Shenzhen. That's about 20 people. And we also have an office in Guangzhou. So we're a kind of a GBA firm.
0: Okay, okay. Um- I know, like there is a lot of companies, and we spoke about it before. But some of the companies sometimes, when I speak with a founder or with uh, the employer of the company, have mentors. Do you have any mentors? Do you have like anyone helping you on your, I don't know, like on your strategy or just give you some advice? Has a has a human, has a man or woman you need to be?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I have many mentors over the years, so they're they come coming, to help on different angles. So first of all, many of our clients, I view our clients, the senior management, as my mentor, most of them. Uh, although I don't I don't call them a the mentor, but they're like mentors to me because they actually, because the definition of mentor, it's not a formality. It's about, do you learn from them, right? And also, if you are you're some of you're constantly learning things from them, constantly taking advice from them, then they're your mentors. You might not just uh, it's not a formality. It's just about the way it works, right? So I, I view a lot of my clients as my mentors because they may, give me very good advices and tell me and make sure we are building things that actually solve the problem. But I will also have some like real like like with the proper contracts and proper engagements like advisories. So I have a couple of uh, mentors. So we have a, I have a mentor called Jason Chu. So he's, um he's also one of my angel investors, right? He's a, he's a founder of Cherry Picks. So he, he was actually the person who actually taught me how I should change my, my, my mindset from a researcher to a businessman. Cause you need, you need to understand business. I learned, I, I, I basically learned a business one-on-one from him. And I also have a, a, a mentor called William Kwan. So he was a, um, so William is a retired business executive from, from IBM, I think from IBM, you know, and he was actually the one who tell me how you can brand yourself and how you engage a customer, how to properly do sales. And I also have a, a manager called Thomas. So Thomas also invested in us later on. So Thomas is actually a, a, a veteran entrepreneur. He used to run his company and he exited, you know, he, and now he joined, he, he's back in the US. He's the one who actually told me how I can run a sales organization, how I can build on my... Because at, at the very in the early days, we do not have a sales. Nobody in our company is doing selling, which is bringing products, right? But it's okay when you're at a very early, early young. you have a one or two clients trying to build a product and then you, you don't need a sales because you can only work with one or two organizations. But later on, when we need a scale, we need a sales organization because we need, we need a sales department because we are so many clients. Somebody need to go out and chase the numbers, get the numbers in, in get the revenue in, right? So Thomas was actually one who taught me how I can build a sales department, how I can uh, interview and hire and build a sales team, how do I set up all the different incentive schemes. And also I also have a mentor, like recently I also have a mentor called Raymond Cheng. So Raymond is a former, I think it's former COO of HSBC Group, former executive. He retired about in 2019, and after he retired, you know, he became my, my mentor. Okay. So he's actually the one who actually helped me shape my product strategies, company strategies, into the, to feed our product into the financial space. Because by the time, very early on, we're trying, that was the first sign we got, we, got, we know that we are, this, our product's also a fit for the, for the financial institutes. But we don't necessarily have the, none of my, by the way, none of my team worked in banks before, none of us. So we don't, we're outsiders. So we're trying to, but the, the, if you want to make sure our product works, we need to understand. So, Women is actually the person who gives us all the devices and insights and also the inputs about how we can position our products into the financial space.
0: Very interesting, very interesting.
1: Yeah. Maybe Christy can talk a little bit more as well. And I, so I, when, I was, uh, when I first started, I think I was about your age. I was uh, When I first started, I was, I was 26. I'm getting a little bit old right now, but I was 26 when I first started. I think you were 26 right now.
2: 25. 25. Yeah,
1: you're younger. you're younger. Maybe I should
2: start my company next year. <laughs> But yeah, actually um this sounds like a Oscar uh thanks um, ceremony. So um actually for me I well I'm I'm not as ex- experienced as uh you both. So I don't have um I don't I don't have that many uh, industrial connections yet. But then I think uh what I look into uh, what I look into quality of a mentor and um what I have uh, what I have experienced in the past few, past, past year in Final Labs is actually everyone in Final Labs, I treat them as a mentor because I can always learn something from every one of them. So but uh, one of the, um, one of the main uh, leader that guided me through uh, was um, actually Miles himself. So uh, because in marketing, it's just me. For now uh, for marketing team. So uh, mainly I uh, work a lot with Miles on uh, different how to position the company as we grow and especially in the past year where Panel Labs has seen uh, substantial growth uh, compared to the past um, probably few years. So within this year it, it has been grown a lot. So how we position ourselves in different stage and how things are changing in the market where I might not be able to um, one, because I was so busy in, in my work but then uh, Mouse is able to uh, tell me like uh, what we need to do uh, what we need to focus on and uh, how we prioritize resources and what um, even for myself like how I can grow as a leader or how I can um, improve in different in different scale in different tasks so um, Uh, Another uh, kudos I would like to give is uh, for Terrence. So Terrence Pong is our uh, VP product marketing. So he has been uh, helping me on uh, how I can uh, take a leap from uh, my previous experience in events and to actually understand what AI is and how to tell them how to tell people in layman way so uh, he has inspired me on how to like really understand the AI and also also, like to tell people about it and be really excited about it so uh, that's the two mentors I have but and uh, also like books are my favorite mentors so um, I guess uh, yeah I think every day we learn something different and I hopefully like someday I could be a mentor of someone else in the future oh you will
0: you will um, we spoke about the past, the present, you speak about the growth. So what's next for Fano Labs? Do you have any big events coming, any big projects coming up?
1: Yep. Uh, we're going to, first of all, we're, we're growing really fast. We're also expanding ourselves. Now, not only within the industry, but also on geographically. We also have starting to have clients from Singapore. And also we have, we're starting to have clients in, from, from many other parts of Southeast Asia and who also need our technology to accommodate for their multilingual environments out there. So we're growing on, on on that scale on a business while we're growing. At the same time, we're going to have a, our annual flagship event, Fanovation, happening towards the end of the twenty-fifth of November. Uh, that's going to be a closed-door, invitation, invitation-only event that we're, we're going to gather most of our our existing clients, their leaders, to come over, and share ideas. Not necessarily tell them good stuff about Fanov, maybe not not necessarily about that, but primarily for an exchange of ideas about how there are different adopting technologies, you know, in different industries. Whether there are something inspirations they can bring to each other, what are the lessons to learn, what are the mistakes they made, and what are the the, the tips they might share with each other. So we're gonna to have. To, we actually, we have the kind of Galakon event every every year. So the next this is gonna be the third year we have a fanovation event. So this year we're gonna do it November twenty fifth. That's gonna be a big one. Uh, we are actually we're setting it up as a as a routine right now. Funny, the interesting thing about growing a startup is actually, as, as like not even for us, when we're at a certain stage, every client start asking, Hey, uh, Miles, tell me, you know, from an organization point of view, how does my firm compare with the others in the market? Are we above the market? Are we as a pioneer? Are we in the middle of the market as, a, you know, kind of the majority? Or are we falling behind as a laggard? So everybody, especially on C suite, everybody wants to know about it. So, so and over time, I said, you know what? How about I just host events instead of asking me, you directly do comparison. You compare yourself, you see what the others are doing, you, you make a decision and decide whether where you are. So it turns out that's something everybody loves because if I tell you, hey, you're you're doing great. You know i might be biased right because you're my client you're paying me so 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 eventually we just try to set up an ecosystem at the end, at the end of the day everybody wants a community even for ai for the ai community fintech community every organization they want to know what the other people are doing they want to think about what's next for them as well so that's going to be our our next plans geographically expand you know work with more partners and more importantly start building a better community and bigger community
0: there is a lot of uh, myth about AI in the industry. I think in Hong Kong, but also in Asia. Do you have like some uh, uh, debug, um, you know, like uh, uh, things that you can demystify or debug the the, the, the kind of myth about AI?
1: Yeah, um, this is something I like to talk to my clients all the time when they first engage me. They say, "Oh, I have AI. Just can we just fire my most this department?" All right, they'll, say, they'll ask me that kind of thing. Just don't, don't think about it, right? So first of all, what is AI? In, in, in the research, you know, from a scientist point of view, AI is fundamentally just statistics and mathematics. You know, eventually everything built on mathematics. I, I, anyway, so it's, so it's like, uh, it's not as sexy as you hoped. Because if you come to school, you know, we offer courses about AI in Hong Kong University. It's also where I teach. Is If you go to AI, you, you take an AI course, all right? You're going to be surprised how many mathematics we're going to give you. Like half of the course about mathematics, and then and there would be statistics, statistics and programming. That's all about AI, right? And so, it's think about if you think about it from that way, you think if you ask a programmer, you know what can they build? So you you just pull a little bit more advanced, more advanced technologies, but that's still like AI is fundamentally that. It's not it's as it's not as you know mystery as you thought. Fundamentally, it's statistics, mathematics, and computer programming. And the next thing we're going to give about, talk about AI is actually just don't think about AI going to replace people. It's never going to happen. Because well, even for our applications, where right, we get machines to listen to tapes, different kind of recordings, we can identify different things. But after I identify something, what are you going to do with that? For instance, I, I, I look through a recording, you know, like, Maddy, you're selling something to, to Christy. And the machine says, you forgot to say this. All right, I f- yes, we fill it out. But there's, also, there's still like a 5% chance that we're making a mistake, right? What are you going to do with that? You need a human judgment, all right? Do I go after you, or do I, or I let you know? So you call, talk to customers, so you supplement that, or who's to judge, who's the one to judge it, all right? So these are the things that need to be done by humans. So humans are really the ones to make the judgment, the decisions. Sometimes the decisions can be, you, have, you, have, you need to consider many different factors. But that's not something within the skills, the capabilities of AI. AI is more about you tell this is that you you draw a, a pain. So this is actually, this is a boundary. You do this task. AI can do that task, that specific task, fairly well. But not when it comes to decision making, because decision making is complex, it involves too many expertise, involving consideration of many, many different aspects. So, so that's actually the two parts of the mystery about AI. We've got to demystify. First of all, it's not fancy. It's not. If you do AI, just get ready to really go hard on mathematics. All right, that's the number one thing. Second thing is you'll know, do it, adopt AI. Don't think about that that's going to replace your job. It's going to help your job.
0: Um, I think we can speak about AI for many hours because I've, I'm watching a lot of video of you know like uh, this robot helping to create new paints. By mixing like a keywords of like a celebrity and Van Gogh, for example, this is incredible. But uh, otherwise, this show will, will, will be more than two hours long. Um, I just want to ask you a few last questions before we stop this interview. Um, is the competition really hard for you to hire talents right now in Hong Kong? Do you have like any competition with the big banks or big corporates with other startups as well to find those uh, uh, AI talent or developers?
1: No, that's uh, absolutely it's a. Uh... The talent market is, is it's it's fierce. It's like a, so we're on, it's on fire right now. Um, I, I think that's particularly about hiring in Hong Kong. All right, that's the problem because we are the border. Well, which is open. It's better. Previously, the border was not open. It's not open to mainland China. It's not open to overseas. So experts don't want to come, and people from mainland China don't want to come. It's because you're locked in a small island, right? So that created, and then also there are people leaving. You know, some people moving to some other places. So that created a shortage of talents so everybody's trying to get the the people the price is going up and there are also some some people some people going crazy about getting people but i think but i think fundamentally it's going to improve right now that we're open and we're connected to the world again so we're starting getting experts to come over so it's getting better but fundamentally we do not actually compete with our clients we do not compete talents from our clients is primarily because when we hire, we mostly how we need to hire from you know in our space. We're talking there's a just a customer and there's a vendor, right? We mostly need to hire from the vendor side because we need people to have a service mentality because we eventually we're providing services to our clients. Whoever we're gonna hire need to be be able to have that mindset. So we need to provide services. So hiring from vendors, you know, for, for people with a vendor experience is actually our top priorities. At most at the minimum right so, so but we are so that also means that we're not competing with our clients we're not competing with the banks and all that but we are competing with the other startups or we sometimes compete with other you know vendors in, in our space right so but that's actually but that to me i think that's not healthy right i think it's um it's okay good people find you know good employees find better places to work it's good but when it comes if that's if almost become a fight then it's not good all right because we're seeing a lot we're also seeing that some you know I, I see some company trying to hire people they want to really try to fight and get people at extremely high prices but on the condition that i'm not giving you a permanent job we're giving it contract basis can sign a contract for six months what happened after that we'll see right if the market goes down it's not no longer that hot they're going to slash your price or just be out, walk out of the door or if they're still hot, they may probably be new for another three or four months, and it's not good for individual, you know, to develop right. If you, especially when you're everyone trying to get you and you just go around jumping boats all the time, the CV is going to be very messy. It's going to be, you're going it's going to make the person, the people, hard to find a job. So that creates some systematic problems at the moment. I think the problem problem will get better. You know, the problem will just go away gradually. After Hong Kong is fully connected, everybody's like, yeah, we're okay to travel, we're free to travel, so we can start moving people you know, cross-border. So Hong Kong, at the end of the day, Hong Kong is actually not a place, I mean, Hong Kong is an international place. The majority, a big percentage of our workforce come from expats, people from mainland China, from elsewhere, they come over to work to create value, all right? So that's actually, we need the talent flow to be there. Without the talent flow, we run into talent war, but with the talent flow coming, we, we're, we're going to be in a good position.
0: Okay, very good uh, takeaway, I think, here. Uh, really appreciate your, your point of view for this. Um, We're almost at the end of this interview, so I would like to ask you if you have any books you can recommend, podcast or YouTube channel to understand a bit more about what you are doing, AI, or everything like inspire you.
1: Yeah, I'll share one, just one. Um, I really like the book. Uh, this band is written by the founder of, of A16Z, Andre It's The Hard Things About Hard Things. So that's, a single, that's the, only, the only one book that I actually read it like over seven or eight times over the years. Because that's, I'll I probably say that's probably the best management book for any entrepreneurs or founder CEOs, right? Uh, because um, there are many stories that the author put in the book actually have strongly relate what's happening around us. Like what happens if we have a downturn? What happened if you are as a CEO, you are like pretty much broken? You feel inspired, but your team is not. All right, how do you deal with that? And in a bad economy, we're gonna do, how do you survive that? And how to deal with investors? How do we deal with all the different kinds of competitions coming up? How to deal with the different kind of uh, uh, clients? I think that's something that it's, it strongly relates with me. So I think I learn a lot from that book, and so that's why I, I, every now and then I just open the book and just go through the, some chapters like over again. I love it, and I actually sure I would recommend that book to every to any entrepreneur, you know, who are trying to are trying to go we're going through that kind of uh, the processes. That's my that's my share. what about you?
2: For me, it's uh, the rules of work. So it's a very uh, easy reading book. So it's for people who really want to understand like the fundamental, like best rules. What you how you achieve in in work in different workspace. So whether it's your uh, how you how you dress, or whether how you speak, or whether how you. Um, managed within a team or how you interact with colleagues so that's a very easy reading book it's it's a uh, it's not very long it's uh, it's very uh, short but then it's um, something that it's, it's a short takeaway where you can read easily flip pages within like an a MTR journey
0: so, okay yeah. I will read these two books I did't know this one so <laughs> thanks for the recommendation where people can learn more about you about Fano labs
1: yeah visit our F- website www.fano.ai.
0: And uh, the LinkedIn is uh, really updated every time. Or yes. Do you have any posts like, for people to follow it? Yes, yes. So we
2: update our LinkedIn, Facebook, and, and WeChat every every week. So you Even can always chat. catch the latest updates of Final Labs. Yeah.
0: And if people want to apply to a job or have more information, they can reach out via emails so or via the LinkedIn or website. Yes. And yes. can okay. also, have, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you very much for joining me today for this episode. It was really interesting. Sorry I was sometimes so... Uh, Into it that uh, I forgot to ask some of the questions, but I had a lot of fun with you you two today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you you very much. much,